Everybody say, let us pray. Man, I'm telling you, no kidding, Troy, you got me fired up this morning. Our emphasis has been for the last, uh, now this is the sixth week, <clears throat> our emphasis called Let Us Pray, and it's from Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Let's look at that, and I want us all to read it, not to ourselves, but out loud together. This should be, you should have this memorized by now. If you don't have this memorized, you should memorize this. That means bring, bring it into your heart and digest it, meditate on it. Here we go. Everyone together. God said this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. What a promise from God. What a great promise. And, and we've looked at that verse and I could preach from it again, but let's just take that to heart and let it lead us to a whole new level. I appreciate Brother Choi praying for the, the, for Florida and this tragic loss early this morning. I think it was. How many people? I, I missed it. Was it 50? Fifty dead and fifty something wounded. If you missed the news, it was a what potentially is a terrorist attack on a on a a night spot in uh, maybe Orlando somewhere in the in Orlando. Just a tragedy, and so our nation has suffered a wound, and so we need to pray that God would not only help them but heal our land. How many of you know our land needs a healing? I'm telling you, we, it's, it, today's the time to pray more than ever before. I mean, if you've, if you're, if you're kind of hit and miss on prayer, this is not a time to be hit and miss on praying. Uh, because prayer changes things. That's what we learned from Second Chronicles seven fourteen. And let us pray is really what we're endeavoring it to be as a churchwide campaign to radically and re- revolutionize our relationship with God at the place of prayer. Uh, and so, uh, listen, we need prayer in our in our families. We need to revolutionize our prayer life and begin to pray like never before. Listen, prayer is not a last ditch uh, uh, something you try when everything else fails let's hey that's the first place you go we run to the place of prayer everybody say let us pray and so that's the focus and we looked at the first century church in acts chapter 4 the first century church after the that god did a great thing uh in in birthing the church and people were being born again and revival was breaking out and thousands of people were being transformed and the religious order of the day was been was being shaken to the core so much so that they threatened the church leaders and they said don't speak anymore in the name of jesus we've got to shut this down before it gets out of hand the first century the early church was at a defining moment in their life and all of us come to defining moments when we're under the pressure of persecution or we're under the pressure of, of, of whatever the situation is. And under the pressure financially, we come to defining moments in our life. Some of you have been through defining moments in your family and you've been through circumstances and situations where you realize if I react wrongly here, things are going to go amiss. But if I respond rightly, then God has a way of turning this, this pressure moment into a time of great progress. 
where it actually presses us forward. You see, pressure has a way of moving us where we need to be. In the first century church, they were pressured by this persecution and this threat, and it pressed them to the place of prayer. In Acts chapter 4, they began to pray. And when they prayed, the Bible says, and when they had prayed, the place where they were gathered was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak the Word of God with boldness. And guess what happened? The church was pressed forward into the destiny of God for their life. It's a defining moment. Some of you may be in the midst of defining moments in your life right now. That's why we need to pray. Everybody say, let us pray. Our church family is in a defining moment. You know, we're about to be 20 years old. Can you believe that? We're about to be 20. The last Sunday or last part of August, is that right, Beverly? Uh, Our church will celebrate her 20-year anniversary. And so Beverly and I have been here for 19. In fact, in July, is that when we came in July or June? In June, the first of June was our 19th or our, yeah, our 19th year to be the pastors here. It's just amazing. Uh, our, our kids were just little cheering when we got here. Now they're all grown and two, our, our daughters have grandkids like, man, 19 years makes a big difference. Uh, and so, uh, hey, God has been good to us. Everybody say God is good. But today, as we get close to our 20-year anniversary, we're at a defining moment. We're at a moment where we, we are under the pressure to progress. And that's a good place. You see, we can't afford, our church family cannot, cannot afford to digress in any area. We must press forward. This summer must be a summer where we press forward in every area of our ministry and impact and to make a greater God difference. And so as I was praying over all this, and as I began to hear uh, this thing, let us pray, let us pray, God began to drop four things in my heart that we need to pray for. And, and, and I hopefully, you've been praying over these. And let me just stop and say, uh, I, I am not kidding you. I am not trying to manipulate you. I am trying to be as honest as I can with you that our church is at a defining moment where we must press forward. And these four prayer directives are not optional. We must pray over these and we must activate these in our life. And here they are. We're praying together. Everybody say, let us pray. We're praying over a renewed commitment to gather together. We need the family of God to once again realize the value of the local church. And I I don't want to rehash this, but across America and really around the world, there is a a devaluing of the local church that is happening all over our nation. And today, uh, from 1980 to this present day, in 1980, on any given Sunday, in any given evangelical church, about 80% of the church family would be there. The pastor knew that he was going to be talking to 80% of his people on any given Sunday back in the 80s. Today, it's less than 50%. How many of you know the 80s, the 90s, and now we're in the 2000s? Listen, in those few short years, we have lost ground with the value of the local church. And you say, well, hey, pastor, uh, we're just, hey, whatever the reasonings are, uh, we need to come, come against that. And we need to pray for a renewed commitment to gather together as the family of faith and realize we're better together. Somebody say amen. Tell your neighbor we're better together. And then the second thing we're praying over is a renewed commitment to grow spiritually. 
If we're not growing spiritually, we're not static, we're digressing. We're, we're, we're being undermined by the culture of our day. And the culture of our day is winning out. We cannot let the culture of our day continue to undermine uh, what God has planned for our life. You can't live in the world and expect God to bless you. We need to grow spiritually. Some of you this morning, could I just tell you, could I be honest, could I be your pastor this morning for just a moment? Some of you are not growing spiritually. You're just going through the motions. You're not, you're not feeding your spirit, man. You're not praying early in the morning. You're not reading your Bible. You're not sp- feeding yourself spiritually. As a result, your children are suffering. Your marriages are suffering. Your jobs are suffering. Because if you're not growing, you're dying. And spiritually, we've got to begin to grow spiritually because growing people grow people. Amen. And we need to pray for a renewed commitment from each of us, not only to gather together, but grow spiritually. That's what tonight is all about. It's not about tacos. Tell your neighbor, tonight's not about tacos. It's not about tacos. Even today, after church, it's not about money. Uh, it's not about hot dogs or whatever they're selling out there. It's, not, it's about young people getting to camp and growing spiritually. Then the third thing, and we're going to talk about it this morning uh, uh, in depth, if I have to, yeah, I think i got a little time. We need to pray over renewed commitment to give. Not only give of our time and our, and our talents, but our treasure, the resources. We'll talk about that. And God wants to release a spirit of liberality, not only over our church, but over all of America. Uh, because we live in a culture that is, is, is a bless me culture. It's a culture that wants to take instead of give. And then finally, and this is certainly not less important, but it's the reason that we need to gather, grow, and give. It's because we need a renewed commitment to go. To go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. There's people that are lost and without Christ. I don't know what you're pondering and praying over today, but listen, it's ultimate goal. Goal needs to be for more for heaven, less for hell. Everybody say more for heaven and less for hell. And so these four uh, prayer directives that I'm not joshing you. I'm not, I'm not, this is just not a sermon series today. This is, this is, I believe, uh, an endeavor of the Holy Spirit to, to reconstitute, if you will, the spiritual DNA of our church. So we can catch these in our heart and begin to see God do great things. So this is how we were saying it. And this, this has become, and I'm hopefully it will become the mantra of your life that we're called to gather. We're called to grow. We're called to give and we're called to go. This is who we are as a church family. So let's say it together. Everyone, let's say it this way. We're called to gather. We're called to grow. We're called to give and we're called to go. This is who we are. This is what God has called us to do. And if if anybody says, what's your church all about? Well, we're called to gather together as the body of Christ. We're a family, so we come together. But we just don't come together for chicken and and tacos and and fellowship and enjoy the good things of life. We, We gather together to grow spiritually. We're better together. We grow together. Growing people grow people. And if I'm growing and I'm hanging around other people who want to grow, we're going to grow together. That's who we are. And and we're also called to give. God's called us to be givers. We give to people in need. We give to our missionaries. We give to our local church. That's who we are. And, And the reason we do all that is because God has a plan for the world to be saved. And we're called to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. More for heaven, less for hell. That's who we are at Church on the Rock North. We're called to gather. We're called to grow. We're called to give. And we're called to go. That ought to just come rolling out 
of you just like, just like the oil of the Spirit of God. This is who we are. Somebody say amen. And so I believe we're at a defining moment. Where God is, is, is pressing us to the place of progress. He's pressing us to a fresh vision and dream and understanding of who we are. You see, if we don't have a vision, we'll perish. And maybe that's been the case. Maybe we've been a, a little like a ship without a sail in a little sense and we've not really caught who we are and what we're here to do. And today, you know, as we move into our 20 year anniversary in a few weeks, maybe it is that God has, has redefining who we are as a church family and he's getting us on focus. He's raising the sails in our hearts and in our minds and in our spirits. And I'm asking you as your pastor to go with me on this. Don't sit in the back or don't sit to the side or even in the front with a skeptical mindset, but say, you know, I sense God saying something. It's time for us to catch the new understanding of who we are as a church family. We're called to gather. We're called to grow. We're called to give and we're called to go. Amen. With that in mind today, let me just continue on. We've looked at the first three from the pulpit here. We've talked about gathering and growing. And today, we're going to talk about how we're called to give. In fact, when you look to Scripture, you'll understand that that should be the DNA of our life. In fact, it should, it should just be who we are. As a believer, we should be natural born or supernaturally born, newborn givers. Jesus said this in Matthew 6. We've looked at it from different angles. But Matthew 6, it's the three big wins. It's not the ifs. He's speaking to disciples. He's speaking to the church. He's speaking to you and me. And the first one is this. When you give. The King James or the, even the New King James says, Therefore, when you do a charitable deed. That's an alms gift. When you give. Everybody say, when you give. And then the next one, as we know, is when you pray. He said, when you pray. And then the third one, which we don't want to talk about much, it's when you fast. Everybody say, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. These are, none of these are ifs. They're, they're, they're directives from God to his disciples. And we learn from this, 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 when you give. And he's just speaking about one aspect of giving here. It's about giving to those in need. It's about to the alms gift, to those in need. But it's not a if you give, but it's when you give. Everybody say, when you give. I love Matthew 10, verse 8. Jesus said this. In fact, turn to Matthew Matthew 10. I want you to see this. I want you to get a little greater context today. Matthew 10. I should have got you there earlier, and I should have gone there earlier. Matthew 10. uh, Jesus is talking to his uh, 12 apostles. He just sent them out. He sent them into the harvest field. In fact, he gave them, in verse one, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and kinds of disease. And then he names them. And then verse five, he said, these 12 Jesus sent out. Everybody say sent out. And it says, he commanded them saying, do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but rather, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see right there, we see we're called to go. We've been called to go. And he said, you tell them the the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then verse eight, he said, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Somebody say, hallelujah. Listen, we've got the power of God and the authority of God on our side. But catch what he says right here. Freely you have received, freely give. In other words, because you've been delivered. How many of you have been delivered? How many of you have been saved? 
How many have been healed by the power of Almighty God? How many have you experienced the supernatural touch of God in your life? You're no, how many of you are no longer going to hell, but you're on your way to heaven uh, from Beaumont, Texas today? God has given to you. He's freely given to us. We didn't earn it. We didn't work for it. We couldn't, uh, we didn't, you know, pay up enough to get it. He, Jesus said, listen, because of what I've done in your life freely, now here's what I need from you. I need you to do for others what I have done for you Freely you have received, freely give. We're called to give. This should be who we are. Amen. However, our culture is different. We've got a whole generation of people who have an expectation that somebody owes them something. And it's bled off in the church. Let me tell you how, this is not my notes. Oh, I'm, it's always dangerous when I get away from my notes. But let me tell you something. There's a mindset in the church. Here's what it is. People come to church and they shop for church like they're shopping for restaurants. And they go, hmm, I wonder what I'll get here. Hmm, I wonder how my kids will be blessed. Hmm, I wonder this. And it's a consumer mindset. I wonder how this church is going to be a blessing to me and help me and benefit me. It's all about me. Oh, it's all about me. Oh, just be me, me, me. That's a spirit that is undermining the culture of servitude and sacrifice and giving. And there's an expectation that's a mindset that we got to break. It's got to be even, I remember, uh, uh, whether you like his politics or not, John F. Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you, but rather ask what you can do for your country. And that's the same way I think, hey, we need to get that. Ask not what your church can do for you, but ask what you can do for your church. Don't, hey, don't come to church expecting to receive every time you come through the door. Come to the church. Get into family. What can I give? How can I support? How can I help? Freely I receive freely i'm going to give this is who we are now let me just build a little quick foundation for you and i'm going to give you some info uh, and, and so let me just lay a little biblical foundation this morning three ways we give three ways we can give and in scripture it's pretty clear number one we give of our time how many of you know when jesus told his disciples follow me and i'll make you fishers of men that was going to take their time that's going to take a lot of their time basically it's going to take all their time their whole focus was uh now i'm going to follow him and so we give of our time and i appreciate when people give of their time it just blesses me even though hey it should be the normal thing it still blesses me it should not be unusual for god's people to be sowing their time into the family of faith the th second area we give is with our talents that's the gifts that god has given us god has given us talents and giftings in fact peter said this uh, in second peter i think it's second peter it might be first peter he said this he said as each one first peter as each one has received Received a gift, so minister it to one another. In other words, God gives you things and giftings and gracings that you are supposed to then sow into the family of faith. You know, we're better together, and that's and the reason we are is because the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. We all have giftings, and when we all come together and we realize, hey, I'm a part of a body, I'm not a self sufficient uh, statue to my own spiritual, uh, you know, uh, stamina and strength, I'm better together. I God wants me to show up and not just show up with and, and spend a little time, but I'm going to show up and I'm going to make an investment with others, with the giftings and the talents that God has given me. And the third area that we give is with our treasure, with the resources God puts into our care. And here's the reality about our money and about the resources that God puts into our care. It's really not ours in the first place. It all belongs to Him. We're just mere stewards. 
Some people think they're real spiritual when they give the tithe, and and I appreciate that. But listen, uh, the tithe, that's just the beginning ground. And so it all belongs to God. Look and tell a couple of people it all belongs to God. They think, well, I'm going to give the 10%. That belongs to God. No, it all belongs to Him. And, and, and we have to be good stewards, not only of our time and our talents, but the treasure that God puts into our care. And this morning, that's where I want to focus. I want to focus upon the resources that God puts into our care. And, and, and here's the reason I want to do so. When you look to Scripture, this always amazes me. That Jesus Christ, how many believe heaven's important? How many believe hell's important? Jesus talked more about money and resources than he did heaven and hell combined. Did you know that? And the reason he did, because he's, and in fact, he taught this, this truth. If you're faithful over the little things, if you're faithful over the resources that God puts into your care, then he can give you much. And so he looks at it and how we handle our resources as an indicator of our spirituality. Did you realize that? In fact, if we are mishandling and misappropriating funds, how many of you know people go to jail for misappropriating funds? Well, I don't know. You need to think about God. It all, if it all belongs to Him and we misappropriate it, and let me believe, whether you believe me or not, I'm, it's still the truth. How many of you know, just because you don't believe me, sometimes it's still the truth. Amen. And, ju- and if you don't believe me, it doesn't matter. I'm telling you the truth. It all belongs to Him. And if we're misappropriating what all belongs to him, hey, he's the one and we're the one that received the consequences thereof. But he's a patient and loving and a caring God. And he wants to teach us and help us be able to handle the resources he temporarily puts into our care. It all belongs to him. We're just biblical stewards. Amen. With that in mind, let me give you three ways. There's three ways we give. Let me give you three biblical types of giving. And before I jump into this, let me tell you, because you just need to get ready. In just a minute, I'm going to give you the, the Bible's top 10 biblical guidelines on giving. So you better get your pencil out. At the very least, get your camera ready, because these are important elements. Because, hey, if we're called to give, we better get the insights down. We better get the revelation down. Here's three biblical types of giving. Here they are. Number one is the tithe. I mentioned the tithe. Oh, we got, mine's out of order. The alms gift. Matthew 6, 1 and 2. Uh, uh, it's the alms gift. Jesus said in Matthew 6, when you give, an alms gift. He's talking about helping people that have need. How many of you know there's some people in life that just need us to help them? Now, there's some people in life who just have an expectation that everybody's supposed to help them. Uh, what we need to do is instruct them and not enable them to continue in the error of their ways. But hey, just because there are people who abuse God and His His giftings and His blessings and uh, doesn't mean that there aren't people who genuinely need our help. And we reach out to the homeless and we reach out to our missionaries. In fact, let me just throw this out to you. We have some great missionaries, David and Jennifer Hatley. Jennifer just had surgery. They removed a tumor uh, within her that was pretty significant. It was stage one ovarian cancer. Uh, she came through the surgery wonderfully. Uh, they do supernatural ministry. Uh, and all over Africa and in many, many countries. Thousands of people's lives have been transformed. They are people who have laid their lives on the altar of sacrifice. And today they are looking at about a $30,000 bill to give, get her treatment. And so I told him, and listen, we don't have it to give, but I told him we're going to help however we can. That might be considered an alms gift where we're helping people who can't.
can't help themselves. And so those are places we give. And, and so, and last Sunday, we gave the second kind. The second kind is, is an offering. Everybody say an offering. In fact, uh, Philippians 4, without going into it, Paul said to the Philippian church, y'all looked and saw the needs. You saw the needs we had and you were generous and you blessed us and you helped us. And his, Paul said, I know how to uh, be abased and I know how to be blessed. But now he said, I just came to tell you uh, how, how much of a blessing you've been because when nobody else stepped up to the plate with an offering, you stepped up to the plate. And then he told them this, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Somebody say, praise God. That's not just for anybody. That promise, everybody, I've heard people say, well, you know, the Bible says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I said, no, no, wait, that's not a blanket blessing. That's for those who've learned how to send an offering. In fact, did you know that the offering is not an optional thing? Some people think, well, these are, you know, the tithes mandatory, these alms and offering, they're all optional. Well, no, if you go to Malachi, and we'll talk about tithe in just a second, Malachi, God said, how have you robbed me? In tithes and offerings. So, so none of the, in fact, go back to G, Matthew 6 and the alms. Jesus didn't say, if you give alms, he said, when you give. None of these are, in other words, as a believer, as the family of faith, we're called to give. We're called to give alms. We're called to give offerings. And then number three, uh, it's the tithe. It's Malachi 3, 8, 9, and 10. Uh, will a man rob God? You say, how have we robbed you? Well, we, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. Then he said, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse. Somebody say the storehouse. The storehouse has become to be known and understood throughout Christianity as the local church. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord. See if I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour you out of blessings so much so that you cannot contain it. God has taught us to tithe. You say, well, the tithe is not mentioned in, in the New Testament. Oh, yes, it is. Jesus referenced it with the Pharisees and said, you're tithing, but you're tithing for all the wrong reasons. Proverbs 3, 9 talks about uh, giving the first fruits of all your increase. And so it's the beginning ground. In fact, I heard someone say this, the tithe, which means a tenth, it, it belongs to God. And we all believe that and agree with that. I heard one pastor say, when you tithe, that's not real giving. That's just returning because it all belongs to him. He's, he's wanting us to return 10% and we'll be faithful over the 90%. And could I tell you as your pastor, now these many long years that Beverly and I have been serving the Lord. How long have we been married? Beverly was, she's tight. She's tight. 37 years. 37? Uh, she doesn't know either now. We're just too old. We're both over 60. Uh, and so for now these many years, we've tithed and we've blessed and we've, we've been somewhat generous. We're not the most generous. We're trying. But I'm telling you, God's been faithful. Everybody say, God is faithful. He's been faithful. And, and that's why he said, prove me. Let me just stop and say, though I'm not preaching on tithing today, I'm preaching on giving. Let me just say, if you're apprehensive about tithing, I'm going to do you a favor today. How many of you want me to do you a favor? If you're apprehensive today, let me just, because I'm, I'm leaning on the Word of God. But God said, prove me in this. There's very few places in Scripture. In fact, if there's another place, you let me know. This may be the only place where God said, you put me to the test right here. You just test me on this. You bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Not a portion, not a half, but a tithe. You bring the tithe of all your increase. The first fruits, not the last fruits. Listen, let me. I wish I had time to go over this. You don't give God the leftovers. How many of you know He wants the first fruits? How many of you know the leftovers? Hey, 
you'll, always, you'll never have anything left over if you don't give him the first fruits. But if you give him the first fruits and you, and you began to tr- prove the Lord, I, what's the date? Somebody give me the date. It's the 12th of June. You, you, if you'll make a commitment for one year, Lord, I'm going to prove you in this. And for one year, I'm going to be a genuine tither. I'm not going to be a tipper. I'm going to be a genuine tither. And I'm going to give you a tenth of all of my increase. That means if God blesses you with, with $10, you're going to give the Lord. You're going to tithe the Lord. You're going to return to the Lord one. If he blesses you with $10 million, you're going to, you're going to give him a tenth of that. You're going to give one million to him. You're going to bring it into the storehouse and prove him now here with saith the Lord. And here's my money back guarantee. You do that for one year because I'm leaning on the word of God. And if you come to this time, June 12th, 19, uh, tooth, pardon me, 2017, and you can say, God did not bless me and it did not work for me to tithe. I'll give you all of your tithe money back. It's a money back guarantee. You can't beat that. And so if you're nervous about it, listen, we're standing faithfully on the word of God today. And so, and let me just throw this. The tithe goes into the storehouse. In fact, you need to understand the tithe goes into the storehouse. Some people in the past have come to me and said, Pastor, the Lord blessed me with this money. I want to give it to missions. What do you think I should do with it? I want to say, is it increase in your life? They say, yes. Well, according to scripture, a tenth of it goes into the storehouse. And then after that, you've got to be a good steward over the other 90. But it goes into the storehouse. You can't. Have you ever tried this? I've never tried this. I'm going to try this because people have tried this. I'm going to call Entergy next month and tell them, I know I owe you uh, my electric bill, but I'm going to give it to missions this month. How many of you know that doesn't work, does it? I've never been able to give my electric bill or my car payment or my mortgage to missions. I've never been able to do that. And so you understand how many of you know first fruit? God's the first place. It's for, everybody say first fruits. So there's the three types of giving, and none of them are optional. God's looking to transform who we are. We are not takers. Everybody say, I'm not a taker. I'm a giver. Whoo. Lord, work that in us, Lord Jesus. Come on, somebody just say, work that in me, Lord Jesus. Amen. So, we don't want to be, we don't want to rob God. How many of you don't want to rob God? You don't want to be a robber. I had one pastor friend of mine say, hey, listen, if you don't tithe, I don't want you being my neighbor. And they said, why? Because if you rob God, you'd steal me blind. You'd be snorting around in my garage late at night. We don't want to rob God. We don't want to misappropriate funds, do we? We want to give God what, what he, where it needs to go, when it needs to go there. We're going to give alms. We're going to give offerings. We're going to give tithes to the Lord. That's who we are. Look at your neighbor and say, that's who we are. Amen. Our culture is a generation of takers. Now, are you ready for a fast-paced top ten list? Top ten biblical guidelines of giving. Are you ready? Look at your neighbor ask him, are you ready? Look at your neighbor and say, we're called to give. At the close of this, we're going to pray again that God would raise up in us a fresh commitment 
to be a giver, not only to give our tithe, but to give our, our offerings and to give um, uh, of alms gift. In fact, Beverly, Beverly and I, uh, we have our tithe here today, and we have, and I did it just before I came. I realized I got my tithe, and I said, you know what? There's money there. I'm going to give an offering. I've got an offering above the tithe uh, uh, to our local church, and I'm going to sow that seed. And we're going to pray in just a few minutes that God would supernaturally work within us a whole new generosity in our heart. And then we're going to pray that God would give us, and I'm going to give you a scripture here in just a few moments, that if you'll begin to pray it, it's going to radically transform and revolutionize your life. How many of you know God gives seed to the sower? We'll talk about it. Top 10 biblical guidelines on giving. Here we go. Number one, somebody give me the drum roll. I wish the drummer was here. Uh, Y'all want to do it? Where's Jeremy? Come here, Jeremy. Let's try it. If it, if it goes, if it goes south, uh, then I'll just say, Jeremy, it went south. Uh, some of you don't know what the top 10 list, the top 10 list is now dead, but not here at Church on the Rock. So you, when I say drum roll, please. All right, here we go. We'll just try this. Uh, everybody lift your hand toward Jeremy. Say, Lord, bless him, Jesus. Bless him, Jesus. Here we go. All right. Are you there? Uh, top 10 biblical guidelines on giving. Number one. Oh, that's pretty weakish. All right, let's try it again. Let's give him a little microphone. Let's try it again. The, the number one, uh, are, are, oh, I should go. Oh, see, I didn't do this correctly. I'm, I'm going number one to 10. There is no uh, number one reason, but I'm going to go from one to 10 rather than 10 to one. Okay, here we go. Number one, we are to give righteously. There you go. We're to give. Thank you, Jeremy. Stay right with me. It may get better. Righteously, Matthew 6, when Jesus was teaching about the alms gift, he, he gave comparison to the religious people. <clears throat> Pardon me. And they, get, they gave to be seen by men. But what Jesus was really teaching was, you give out of a right heart. You get, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. You're not, you, you know, you don't come to the front and go, I'm popping a 20 here today. Woohoo! I'm popping a Hunsky. Woo, look at that. I'm Hunsky, everybody. Boom, that's what he's saying. That's not the way you give. You give in secret place because God who sees in the secret, and here's what it says, when he sees your gift, listen, he sees that and he blesses you accordingly. You give in the secret place, okay? You give righteously. And so that's the first one. These are in no particular order, but let's just go through them. Top 10 biblical guidelines on giving. Number one, we give righteously. And number two... We give freely. Matthew 10, I've already quoted to you. He says, you've freely been given, so you give what? Freely. Now, what that basically means is without strings attached. It says this, basically without price, freely you have received, freely give. God gave to us without strings. He didn't say, I'm going to give you heaven. I'm going to give you forgiveness, but here's what you've got to do to get it. There's no strings attached. There's no negotiation involved. You just give freely. You just give it away and there's no strings attached. I've had people, and you've done this before. Hey, I, in fact, I tell people, uh, people come and say, Pastor, I want to bless this person, uh, uh, but I'm a little concerned with what they might do with the resources that I get. They may ab abuse. In fact, I had a, a friend of mine uh, give 
a fella a boat because this guy had a wanted he just always man I wish I had a boat and he man I love your boat I wish I had a boat man he was just all excited man one of these days God's gonna bless me with a boat uh, and uh, so this man just felt he, in his heart I'm gonna give him my boat I'm gonna go get a new one I'm gonna give him my boat so he gave him his boat thinking this guy's love he just wants a boat so he gave him his boat and within thirty days this guy sold his boat. How many of you know that get under your skin just a little bit? But listen, if you have strings attached that says, well, I want to give you this boat. Or I want to give you this, but this is what you need to do with it. That's not how we give. We, if you're, God speaks to you to give, hey, the way it, in fact, let me just say, I have people who've been burned. And so they're a little skeptical about giving to the church. And like, I don't know. I don't trust that guy. Listen, God's looking at our heart. And, and, and what happens after we sow it is God's business. We give righteously. We give freely. Number three, we give sacrificially. We really do. In fact, God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only begotten son. The nature of the church ought to be we give sacrificially. Luke 21, 1 and 2 talks about the little woman, the little poor woman, where they were coming by, giving in the offering and giving of their resources. This little woman gave two mites, which is not very much. And Jesus took note of it. And he said, this woman has really given. You see, the rich folk give out of their abundance, but this woman gave all she had. And he took special note of that interesting thing about that little story. Jesus was watching what people gave. That, that goes back to Matthew 6. When you give, even if you give in secret, Jesus is watching. And He rewards us accordingly. And this little woman gave sacrificially. This is hard for us. When God blesses us, or when we have, and then we go, mm, man, I don't know if I can afford this. I've learned something about my life that if I wait till I can afford it, I'll never be able to afford it. If I wait till God blesses me, in fact, God taught me this. I said, Lord, when you bless me, I'll give to missions. And God spoke to me and said, when you give to missions, I'll bless you. When you begin to sacrifice, we give sacrificially. That's the call of God on our life. If we're Christians, we ought to be willing to sacrifice at times. Like the widow woman who gave her two mites, she gave all she had. And so that's number three. And number four... We give generously. Now, here's my favorite passages of Scripture. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 with me. I want to show you this. I hear those pages turning. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm about there. These passages of Scriptures are, re are revolutionizing my world. And let me just jump in. Oh, let's begin verse 6. Are you ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready, Pastor. But this I say. Now, he's talking about financial giving. This I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap what? Sparingly. But he who sows what? Bountifully will also reap 
bountifully. He's talking about being a generous. If you sow, and that's what's, in fact, we're, I'm going to show you some scriptures from right here. There's going to revolution. If you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. And if you're reaping sparingly right now, uh, listen, and you're not sowing, uh, uh, and, you're, and you're not sowing or you're sowing sparingly, you just get what you sow. You sow, you reap what you sow. And so the scripture teaches us to sow generously above and beyond. It's like sowing of seed. In fact, in scripture, when it says he who goes forth uh, bearing precious seed for sowing, it's not the strategic planting of one seed here, one seed there. It's the idea of the sower in Jesus day. They just had the big bag of seed and they were just getting with it. They're throwing out seed. They're saying, man, that sounds wasteful. But in his mind, he's going, Hey, the more seed I sow, the more harvest I reap. If I'm going to reap a big harvest, I've got to sow a lot of seed. Bless God. I'm going to be generous. And that's what Paul said. He said, you've got to be generous. If you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. But if you sow generously or bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. And uh, that's number four. Uh, top ten biblical guidelines. Number four was generously. And number five. We are to give cheerfully. Somebody say cheerfully. Cheerfully. Say cheerfully. Say it with a smile on your face. Cheerfully. Now, there's the cool part about this word here in 2 Corinthians. Look what he says. So let each one of you give as he has purposed in his heart. Verse 7. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a what? A cheerful giver. That The Greek there is hilarious. It's where we get the word hilarious. How many of you know when something's hilarious, what do you do? You laugh. You watch some of these things on Facebook, it's just hard not to just belly laugh. Some of that's so funny. <laughs> you give hilariously. Now, when's the last time you sowed your tithe or you gave and you just got so excited you busted out laughing? Most of you doing it when you're crying. Oh, Lord, listen to you. We got a long way to go, but let me tell you something. Biblical guidelines, man, I'm happy when I give because he's talking about sowing and reaping. Let, let, let me tell you something. In, in, in times of there's, there's seed time and harvest. Everybody say seed time and harvest. There's no harvest without seed time. And let me tell you something. When you're planting seed, when the farmer's planting seed, he's not going, oh, my Lord, I'm losing all this seed. Oh, Lord, what am I going to do without this seed? I don't know. I'm just giving up this seed. Man, this is costing me. I'm giving up seed. I'm throwing seed everywhere. The farmer doesn't do that. The, the farmer doesn't do that. Man, the, he's sowing seed, man. He's going, ooh, glory to God. Hallelujah. The more seed I sow, God's given me more seed to sow. The more seed I can sow, the more greater the harvest I'm going to reap. Ooh, I love har uh, seed time. I'm seed time and harvest. There's seed time. I'm sowing seed. And the sower of seed is a happy guy because he knows it's going to come harvest time. If you don't sow seed, you ought to be in the mully grubs because there's no harvest coming if you don't sow seed. We give cheerfully because we know a harvest is coming. Amen. We give cheerfully. We give number six. We give willingly. We don't, we're not begrudging. He says there, don't be, don't give grudgingly or of necessity or out of compulsion. In other words, be willing. I'm a willing giver. You're not going to have to convince me. You're not going to have to pry it out of my hand because God has given me seed to sow. Everybody say seed to sow. 
God gives us seed to sow. And let me tell you something. When God gives you seed to sow, don't eat your seed. Don't, don't hide your seed. What is seed meant to do? It's meant to sow. There's seed time in harvest and God gives us seed to sow. And so we give willingly. And number seven, we give regularly. How many of you know a sower of seed? He doesn't just give every once in a while. It's a strategic time. He's always sowing and he's always reaping. A good farmer has crops that come and go. And while one crop is in the ground and another's being harvested, he's always sowing and we give regularly. How many of you know when you, when the scripture says, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse, he's talking about a regular type of lifestyle of giving. It's consistent. It's the first fruits. The first thing Beverly and I do when we pay our bills, the first thing we pay is our tithe. We get, we get, we just, in fact, I'm not, a, I'm not smart enough to do it online yet. If you can do it online, that's great. I write the old fashioned check. Hopefully this year we're going to have an actual app where with you just pull up your phone and you've got a regular tithe amount, punch a button, boom, there it goes. You can do that if you like, but it's regularly. If you hit and miss, Guess what that makes you? Malachi 3.10. Makes you a robber. I didn't say that. The Word said it. And so, we've got to be regular. We've got to be consistent. That's what I love about what Michael said about education. You've got to be consistent. And if you want to continue to see a harvest come in your life, you've got to be consistent with giving. You can't hit and miss. You can't, you can't miss it here. If you miss it here, you've missed it. I'm just telling you, I know what I'm talking about here. We give regularly. It's the tithe. And number seven was regularly. Number eight, we give responsively. In other words, we respond to things like, for example, Jennifer uh, and David Hatley. You made something in you when you said, oh, I want to help them. You can respond to that. Last week, we took up a missions offering and we gave responsibly. And let me just say, I love this. You know how much money we took up for our missionaries? Uh, I think it was over $900 last Sunday on our First Fruits Mission Sunday. The first fruits of every... We're going to take up a special missions offering on the first Sunday of every month. It's our first fruits. And so I want you to get in the habit that every first Sunday, I'm bringing a missions offering above the tithe. I'm going to respond to this. We see a need and we respond to it. That's what Philippians 4, Paul said, you saw the need and you responded to it. You just said, man, my brother has a need. Listen, there there ought to come a time in our life when we respond. And let me just say as a church family, when we see the reality, I don't know if it's in your bulletin or not, but we, 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 we produce, we, we promote where we need to be and where we are. When you see that and it's not matching up, there ought to be a response, okay? Man, I'm gonna step it up a notch. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bump it up a little. I'm not gonna sit back in this time of, of, of must press forward moment and wait for somebody to hit the lotto for goodness sake. I'm gonna do my part. I'm gonna step it up and we respond, we respond to where we are and the, and we give. Amen. We give responsively. And then number nine, we give expectantly. I like this one. We should expect something. A sow, a, a, the sower of seed, when he sows his seed, he's doing it because he expects a what? He gives expecting a what? 
You see, listen, if you're giving grudgingly, you're not expecting a harvest because you don't understand sowing and reaping. If it's hard for you to tithe, it's hard for you to give. If it's hard, for, if you got a spirit of, of stinginess upon your life, and listen, uh, that's the culture we live in. Get all you can and can the rest. I'm going to take what I can and can the rest. If that's you, you've lost the understanding of faith in your heart. You give expectantly. Jesus said this in Luke 6, 38. He said, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together shall men give into your basically your wallet God will use men God will use people to come and be a blessing to you you've got to have an expectancy in your heart that when I sow this seed it's going to bring forth a harvest I'm not losing I'm gaining glory to God Woo. we give expectantly expecting a harvest now this is just the Bible so far is all this pretty much biblically correct I believe so and number 10 we are to give worshipfully. Because the scripture teaches us that when we give to God, it's an act of worship. Psalm 96. In fact, let's see what time it is. Ooh, I'm late. Psalm 96 says, bring an offering and come into his courts. And worship Him. It's an act of worship. You know, we've changed the way we give here, and this is the one little hiccup I think sometimes that maybe we're missing. We, we actually don't pass the plates. We ask you to go by the little box on the door out there and, and, and just give your offering. And, and in a way, the one thing I don't like about it, uh, the one thing I do like about it is I preach too long. I got more time. What I don't like about it is the fact that sometimes we just do our duty and we don't realize it's an act of worship. And so maybe, I'm just throw this out, Jim, maybe we can do this from time to time, maybe the first fruit Sunday. I don't know, I'm just off the top of my head. We actually pass the plate or, or, or bring them up here. Do something where we don't lose the reality that when we give, we're worshiping God. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Listen, I'm not here to manipulate anybody out of anything. As your pastor, I'm trying to awaken you to who we are. Believers, Christians aren't takers. We're givers. And I believe this morning God's radically transforming the way we think about this thing called money. It's just money. I had a wake-up call this weekend. I'm pretty faithful about watching over my wallet because it has my debit cards, has my fishing license. It had gift cards for my birthday in it. I don't know where it is this morning. I have my sneaking suspicions, but that's all they are. Beverly and I have scoured the earth. It got under my skin. And it wasn't about the money, really. 
I don't know what it was, but it got under me. I just, I had to work, I had to call in the prayer power. <laughs> My friend, Pastor Sonny, he said, it's just money. It's just stuff. And so today I offer, I offer my birthday gift cards to whoever has them. They can't get my debit card. I canceled it. But I offer that to whoever, wherever it is. And if it's just lying around somewhere hidden in plain sight, then the Lord will bring it back to me. But whatever, I had to release it to God. And today I worship the Lord. And whatever the state, blessed be the name of the Lord. So I come today. In fact, I just want to give the devil a little black eye. I came with my tithe, but I came with an offering. And I'm going to give. Hey, that's just who I am. I'm a giver. I'm not a taker. I'm a giver. That's who I am. I'm not a great giver. I'm, I'm not trying to. I'm just trying to tell you that we all have times when we look and go, man, I can't afford to. We, listen, we can't afford not to. This is who we are. And as your pastor, I just bring you right to the trough, but I can't make you drink. I, I'm telling you, this is who we are. We're called to gather. We're called to grow. We're called to give. And we're called to go. And I know it's late, but I want to read you the rest of this passage of Scripture. Look in verse 10, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That you always, somebody say always, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. See, this is my prayer for the giver. And this is the promise of God for the giver. For those who give bountifully and they don't give grudgingly, but they give with a hilarious seed sowing mindset. He says, God is able to make all grace abound toward you. He's talking about your resources that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. You see, we, listen, the reason God wants to bless you is so you can keep busy doing the work of the Lord. And then he says in verse 10, now, he, now may he who supplies seed to the sower, not seed to the taker, he gives seed to the sower and bread for food supply. In other words, he gives you seed for future to be a greater blessing and he'll give, he'll, he'll give you bread for your food. He'll supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Catch verse 11. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving to us to God. Listen, God wants to enrich us with all liberality. He wants to give us seed for sowing. He wants to give us an abundance for every good work. Are you with me? Say amen. Let's stand together. We're going to pray together. I'm going to give you an opportunity to digest this. And I apologize. I, it's been a long time since I went to 1212. But let's pray. Father, today we're called to gather. We're called to grow. We're called to give. And we're called to go. Lord, let us become givers. In fact, I'm going to pray over you right now. I'm going to release somebody here today in the spirit. I'm going to speak a release over you from, from fear. 
Lord, I speak over the hearts of people who are apprehensive and fearful about tithing and about giving. I pray, God, you would break that off of them right now. That, Lord, if there's any here who have struggled in this, Lord, they, and, and as a result struggled in every area of their life, I pray today the struggle would be over and you would release them from that fear and that bondage in their life and you would lead them to a place. And, Lord God, I thank you today that, Lord, we're praying over our church family that there would be a commitment to become givers. And I just thank you, Lord, for it. And I know that commitment precedes, Lord God, uh, 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 capacity. And, Lord, so, Lord, we don't give out of capacity. We give out of commitment to you. And Lord, we know you'll increase our capacity and you'll give us more seed to sow it. So Lord, we break, Lord, that off of any of us who may be here. And Lord, as I today release myself from any kind of negative feelings about the loss or the the stealing of my stuff, I release it now in the name of Jesus to you. And I thank you, Lord, you're going to give me more seed to sow. You're going to bless me indeed like you blessed Jabez. Oh, that you would bless us indeed and enlarge our territory that your hand would be with us and we not cause pain we thank you for it today and lord i pray lord for the faithful tither and the faithful giver today lord those who give alms and they give happily and cheerfully and willingly lord and regularly i pray over them that you would give them abundance for every good work give them an abundance for every good work i speak in abundance in this house over every person give them an abundance for every good work lord give uh, Lord Tandon and, uh, and, and uh, Troy, an abundance for every good work, Lord. Bless them indeed, Lord. Bless our sister churches. Give them an abundance for every good work. Give David and Jennifer Hatley an abundance for every good work beyond, Lord, this need. Lord, God of 30,000 bucks, Father, for her chemo, I, I pray you'd give them an abundance for every good work. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. We're called to gather. We're called to grow. We're called to give. And we're called to go.